Hi friends at Westview Baptist Church, it's my pleasure to be with you today. Even if it's just virtually and not in person, I want to thank Pastor Dale and Gord King for inviting me to be part of your mission conference. Let me introduce myself to you briefly uh, before I give you an update on what is happening around the world in global mission. My name is Jennifer Lau and I'm the new Executive Director of CBM. However, CBM is not new to me. I've been here for 18 years serving in various capacities. Many of those years were spent working alongside Gord, and I learned so much from him in that time. People are usually surprised at the length of time that I've been here, but I continue to find joy and passion in helping to meet the needs of vulnerable people around the world um, through sharing the gospel in word and deed. And for me, that desire to see transformation come to people's lives and communities continues to be as strong as ever still feels like a privilege for me to be able to serve uh, through my work at this great organization. I want to say thank you to you, the Westview Church family, for your strong mission commitment. Uh, your engagement is an extension of who you are as a local church within your own community, at a time when people so desperately need to hear and to feel and to experience the gospel. We at CBM feel privileged to be journeying with you as your step mission partner in Rwanda and beyond. Aside from what you may already know about CBM, let me share a few other things that maybe you don't know about. So globally, we work in 13 core fields uh, in Africa and Asia and Latin America, and our work predominantly focuses on making an impact in four main causes. So kids at risk, poverty, justice, and building the church. Of course, we also work in crisis response, uh, which was a huge priority last year due to COVID and will likely continue to be in 2021 as well. If you're interested in knowing more about CBM's COVID response, join me for the mission workshop that's coming this Saturday. You can find information about that and registration on your church's website. All around the world, we have 22 field staff teams working alongside our global church partners. We are so thankful for your support of your partners in mission, Gato Munya Masoko, who's serving in the DR Congo, and Andre Subamana, our Africa team leader. For more than a decade, CBM has moved toward creating integrated field staff teams that are comprised of both nationals and Canadians. And we are now seeing the results of that initiative. Uh, half of our field staff force now are comprised of nationals. So Gatto and Andre and others, they have brought such knowledge of their context and culture to our staff team in a way that has made us more effectively embedded in the life of local churches. However, if you think that we no longer need to appoint Canadians to serve overseas, well, that's not correct. We always challenge people in our churches here in Canada to discern if they feel the call to serve overseas. And it may be with people from your own ethnicity or perhaps cross-culturally, but the future of mission requires people who understand the complexities of living in a global age and a willingness to commit to serving God and his church, wherever it may be. Thank you also for investing your time and your funds into SENT teams. Uh, there is a mythology that short-term mission trips are a waste of money or they're harmful to the people that they're meant to benefit. But for our global partners, visits from Canadians are deeply meaningful. Money does not replace relationship and it doesn't replace solidarity. I have visited numerous projects from around the world and the most common thing that I hear from beneficiaries is thank you, thank you for coming 
and taking the time to listen to us. So thank you, Westview, for investing your time and your energy into walking alongside your church partners in Rwanda. I am also so inspired by your congregation's commitment to feeding the world's hungry through your partnership in the Coronation Grow Project in Brownfield. My own church, Lauren Park Baptist Church in Mississauga, Ontario, is the third part of this very unique urban and rural partnership that has helped to feed thousands of hungry people over the years. What a wonderful way it is for us to witness to God's love and grace in a time of great disparity. So Westview, together, let's continue to embrace the call to serve a broken world through word and through deed. I wanna share with you this phrase that I heard from my friend, Gary Nelson. He's the former general secretary of CBM. He said, the pace of change is faster than the pace of learning. The pace of change is faster than the pace of learning. Well, you may have felt this acutely this past year as you had to learn how to navigate new technologies, maybe for working remotely or even to connect with your church family online. Well, this phrase likely resonates with all of us to some degree, even as we constantly seek to redefine what our new normal is and what it will be. The reality is that the world is changing more rapidly than at any point in history. It's quite shocking to think that uh, Netflix streaming services and even Twitter are not even 15 years old. And the iPad was invented less than 10 years ago. In such a short period of time, we have undergone a complete revolution in how we live and the ways in which we connect to the world. The word global has really taken on a whole new meaning and we truly can be connected anywhere now in the world almost instantly. That also means that things we used to read about in newspapers or watch on TV the next day are now instantaneously in our news feeds and in our inboxes. And one question that I find myself asking a lot these days is how do we live as God's people in a time when there is constant change? As believers, we know that our Lord is the one thing that never changes. In Hebrews 13.3, we're told that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. We can be assured that though change is constant, so is God's love for us. But in the midst of all this change, we cannot underestimate the overwhelming fear that is gripping people. We have just lived through a year in which the world seemed to be spinning out of control. And even before COVID, we faced growing global economic disparity in our own country and around the world. And the movement of refugees and displaced people is more destabilizing now than at any other time in history. The global issue of gender inequity is finally rising to the surface and church leaders have not been exempt from the list of offenders and perpetrators. Racial injustice was in the forefront of all our minds last year uh, through the Black Lives Matter movement and the, and the challenges that are facing indigenous communities right here in our own country. There is pervasive anxiety about the future, and that's reflected in the number of suicides and mental illness that's in our midst. Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by all that's happening in your community or in our world? Do you feel powerless to make any change to the huge systemic issues of our time? Well, I admit, I do sometimes, and I think we probably all do. 
And yet, ironically, the world needs to know who we are as the followers of Jesus, now more than ever. The world needs to hear the message the church and God's people have to offer, now more than ever. And lest we think that being told to stay home means now we get to retreat from this troubled world, well, I would say that it's the exact opposite. Now is not the time to withdraw. In fact, now is the time to imagine the possibilities of all the great things that God can do in other ways, through broken people living in broken communities within a broken world. The church needs to continue being the church. The BBC recently reported that during this time of lockdown, uh, more completely unchurched people or people who had previously left the church are rediscovering and interested in exploring faith again through online worship services and other creative means. That's an opportunity, right? Around the world, we work with local churches just like yours, who are also creatively adapting and evolving and what it means to be the church in their own context. And for many of them, COVID is just one more reality in the mix of caring for people uh, amidst conflict and violence and poverty and disease. But for us to live as global disciples, one who will faithfully follow Jesus into this world at this time in history, we are required to take the long view. As we do this, there are three important things that we need to remember. First, it is God's mission. It's not ours. It's God's mission. One of the things I'm very passionate about is the issue of global gender inequity. And God personally convicted me on this particular issue on a trip to India in 2009. I saw a young girl who was probably no more than five years old begging for change from people in cars on the busy streets of New Delhi. And out of that experience, we created the She Matters campaign, in which almost 300 Canadian Baptist churches have participated. All around the world, we see where girls and women are not allowed to flourish, simply because they were born female. Through this campaign, we have been raising awareness and funds to support gender-based programming that has helped put girls in school and enabled women to own small businesses and empowered female leaders to receive the training they need. This campaign has been one of the most meaningful things that I have worked on during my time at CBM. And then COVID hit. And this was the headline uh, of an article that popped into my inbox at the end of last summer. COVID-19 putting millions of girls at risk of never returning to school. And that article and other subsequent uh, information that was put out by the UN, it, it's detailed that the cause of gender inequity um, has been set back by about 20 years due to COVID. The majority of the youth who will not be able to return to school are girls. And the majority of the businesses that will never reopen are owned by women. And gender-based violence rates have increased exponentially during this time. Well, I must admit, these statistics are so hard to hear for something that I have poured my life into. It's easy for us to throw up our hands in despair when we hear these disappointing results about the things that we have spent our energies and passions on. In Psalm 140, verse 12, it says, I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. The Lord cares about the needs of the weak and he helps all who will fall, and he raises up the oppressed. We are reminded that it is God who ultimately lifts up the heads of the downtrodden, not us. We play a part in it, 
but it is his work to complete it. And we need to trust that he knows the needs of those girls who are unable to return to school and all the others who are suffering. He doesn't ask us to hold these things we're invested in with a tight grip. He requires us to do our part and wait for him to do the rest. At CBM, we have committed to increasing our own commitment over the next decade to helping mitigate and reverse the effects of COVID on girls and women. So we are doing our part and we invite you to come alongside us in this work. Despite our efforts, we know the ultimate results are not up to us, but they're in God's hands. When we engage in causes and global issues, it is so easy to lose heart when it is fueled only by our own passion and determination to get things done. Compassion fatigue is a very real thing, and it can set in in all of us as we try to battle what seem to be an endless litany of local and global challenges. What we are reminded of here is that our job is to simply let the light of Christ shine through our words and our actions. He demands that we fulfill the calling for, for us to be bearers of his light, but he never demands that we finish the job. The power of being a bearer of the good news is that it's not about who we are, but it's that we reflect who he is. When we live out the gospel, it is God's heart we are expressing, not just our own. We must trust that it's God's power that is at work and not our own efforts. So we work hard to bring justice and to express compassion to those who need it, but we leave it to God to finish the job and he will make his work complete. Secondly, mission requires resiliency and adaptability. We have to learn to be resilient and adaptable. In 2019, CBM funded eight relief projects. And in 2020, we supported 32. This 300% increase was completely unplanned and unbudgeted at the beginning of the year. In January, we began to hear um, from our partners in Asia that there was some rumblings of a virus that was happening in a city in China. But we had our plans firmly in place for all the projects we would support. We knew what all the activities that would be undertaken would be, how we would assist beneficiaries. And like you, we had no idea how this story would unfold and how all of our plans would eventually be swept away. If there was ever a year in which we were forced to learn how to let go and to hold our plans loosely. 2020 was that year. We all learned the hard way. God wants us to serve with open hands all the time. This allows us to let go when our plans may deviate from what we intended. In Deuteronomy 31.8, we are reminded that our God himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Even as we are forced to deal with unanticipated setbacks and challenges, God is with us through those changes. He does not abandon us in those times. For many years, CBM has supported the Casa de la Amistad, a ministry in Cochabamba, Bolivia called Prison Kids. It provides loving support and care to the kids of parents who are incarcerated. There's a great stigma to having a parent in prison and historically, the families of the incarcerated people also live with them in the prison. So yes, wives and children lived in the prison uh, with prisoners if they had no other options. 
This was usually a last resort for women who cannot survive financially on their own, as they just have less opportunity to earn income. The CASA was created to give these children a safe place to go and receive educational support and hot meals and medical care and spiritual nurture. A few years ago, the government in Bolivia mandated that all the families be removed from the prisons. And this left many of the women in desperate situations to even meet basic needs like rent and food for their children. When this happened, the staff at the CASA recognized that the need to pivot uh, was critical, and they began to extend its care beyond the kids to their mothers, who were now left to support families, often without skills or education. So they started a group called Eagle's Wings. Uh, they borrowed sewing machines, and they found instructors to help teach these women the skill of tailoring and sewing, and many were able to start small businesses this way. When COVID hit Bolivia, it hit hard, and severe lockdowns were put into place for many months, with people only allowed outside their home once a week. Suddenly, the CASA had to be shut down, and everyone was forced home, just as we were here, but for a much longer period of time. For the women who had learned how to sew from the Eagle's Wings group, having the skills that were taught to them became their lifeline. They were able to continue doing their tailoring and sewing work from home, and earn income when many others were left with no ability to work. From this, I think we can see that sometimes adaptability allows us to pivot from our original plans and embrace new ideas and possibilities that can create wonderful results that we could not have even imagined. For the staff of the CASA who allowed God to inspire something new and different from what they had been doing for decades, it resulted in saving families from what could have been a much worse situation. They could not possibly have known at the time what the end result would be, but their adaptability allowed for a better outcome than they could have predicted. Like the CASA, all of our projects around the world adapted in some form last year. This built resiliency and innovation in ways that would not have happened if COVID had not occurred. It affirmed that the work of God's kingdom cannot be stopped, even by a global pandemic. Thirdly, to be God's mission people, we must live as resurrection people. What does it mean to live as resurrection people? Well, to be disciples in this time means we have to come ready to embrace whatever God has in store and respond to what might be possible when the Spirit comes in and works in fresh new ways. We need to remember that each new day God makes is filled with hope and filled with possibility. This allows us to see the exciting things that are before us rather than just the things that are behind us. While we may not have planned on these unexpected pivots, they are often the result of the work of the Spirit moving in new ways. One of the toughest realities that we face currently is the ever-widening gap in global economic wealth distribution. When COVID came, that gap increased even further. It's now reported that almost every country in the world has seen vulnerable households um, increase food insecurity exponentially during 2020. The disruptions in food supply and the loss of the ability to work due to lockdowns have contributed to what was already a very precarious situation for the world's poorest people. 
In November 2020, the UN World Food Program confirmed their earlier predictions that an additional 137 million people are now facing acute food insecurity, an 82% increase from the previous year. That means higher risk of malnutrition and starvation for most people. And for children, it means stunted growth and a decreased ability to even learn due to the insufficient energy that's required to get through the day and for our brain to be able to develop and to function. This is not an over there problem. In our own communities, right here in Canada, the demand for food banks is higher than ever. I was astounded to learn that in the 1980s, many food banks actually considered closing because the demand was decreasing. And today, more and more families among us must rely on food banks to even get by each month. They, these are families right here in our own midst that are among us. The demand since the start of COVID is greater than ever, and food banks can hardly keep up. Last year, CBM helped to feed over 60,000 people through food assistance programs, thanks to the generosity of Canadian Baptist churches and individuals. While this is an incredible statistic, we must also be equally as generous in supporting long-term food security projects that work towards sustainable change and increase access to adequate nutritious food for the world's poor in the long term. To be advocates for the hungry, we must also be a voice in championing systemic long-term change that reduces global poverty. Because for too many millions of people around the world, not being able to work today means not being able to eat tomorrow. We all watch with sadness the, with the photos of migrant day-wage earners in India who had to walk for weeks in the heat back to their own villages once the lockdowns began and they were no longer able to work. This tragic situation just highlights the precarious livelihoods of the hundreds of millions of people who live with no margin. To live this way means that there are any number of factors that can destroy your ability to just survive. As God's people, we fight against global hunger and poverty, not just out of compassion, but also out of justice. Because God intends for all people to be able to enjoy the abundance of our earth. Every human deserves to have their basic human needs met. None of us believe it is right that millions of people will go to bed hungry tonight. But in the midst of this kind of reality, we can sometimes feel overwhelmed and become despondent. Or maybe we want to just bury our heads in the sand and become paralyzed, uh, too paralyzed to take any action. To be global disciples means we need to be sensitive to the realities of our time, yet be rooted in the hope that comes from being followers of a risen Lord. Resurrection is not just about life after death. It's about life in the present as well. Romans 5.5 tells us that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into the hearts, our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Participating in God's mission of redemption and transformation in a broken world requires us to have a firm belief that God has not deserted us. He hears the cries of the hungry, and in those darkest days, we cannot allow our minds to be clouded with despair, but work toward what we long to see come. We find hope knowing that he does not leave us to despair alone, and he hears and responds to the cries of those who suffer. We get to be part of God's work to bring justice to those who need it. What a privilege. Friends, today let's ask ourselves 
if we fully trust God for what will come? Are we faithfully doing our part and committing our energies to work toward both short-term response and contributing to God's lasting transformation in people's lives? What is he asking of you today? As God's kingdom people, living in a world that often seems so devoid of hope, we the church are the bearers of his hope. Being part of the work of God's mission is to live in a perpetual state of waiting because we are in it for the long haul. We celebrate the signs of his kingdom in the now, the places where his truth and grace reign and where his shalom is evident. Yet we also live in anticipation of what is still to come, the places where we need to see his rule and his reign, the places where we need to do our, our part to bring God's hope and healing in the midst of brokenness and pain. Brothers and sisters, let us keep ourselves open to the possibilities of what God has in store and wait to see what glorious things he will do. Let's pray together. Our God, we thank you so much that you call us to be your people, to be global disciples in a world of need. We ask God that you would make us faithful as we follow Jesus into this world. Help us to bring light and love and hope into places of darkness. God, we ask you today to meet the needs of those who are suffering. We know, God, that you love those people. You want to see their needs met, and you want us to reach out in compassion to them. So, Father, we just ask today that your presence would be very felt in everything that we do, because it's for your glory and for your kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.